0: hunger, you think of folks who don't have food at all. They're they're starving, perhaps. Food insecurity is beyond that.
1: When it comes to hunger, you can't see hunger. Some of our clients, they don't even realize that they're food insecure, but they're going to McDonald's with $4 or going to the bodega with $4 and getting a sandwich, and they're making that sandwich stretch through the entire day or making those McDonald's items stretch throughout the day.
2: I think there are a lot of misconceptions about poverty in America. It's a huge
0: problem. There were folks in Hamden who had no idea that food insecurity was an issue that some of their neighbors were dealing with. And then other folks that were like, yeah, this is a huge problem.
3: Welcome to episode 1 of Hunger in Hamden, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. I'm Chris Roush, Dean of Quinnipiac University School of Communications. In this series, we're going to look at what it means to be hungry or food insecure in Hamden, Connecticut, how local officials and volunteers are trying to help, and the unique and innovative ways Quinnipiac University faculty, staff, and students are improving lives off campus. Hamden is the 11th most populous city or town in Connecticut, with more than 61,000 residents the poverty level is below the state average and the per capita income is higher than the national average. In 2016, Money Magazine even ranked Hamden as the 38th best place to live in the country. But despite looking prosperous on paper, Hamden is in many ways a tale of two towns. According to a 2019 report spearheaded by the United Way of Greater New Haven, income inequality in the Hamden-New Haven region is among the highest in the country. Median household incomes vary from $122,000 per year in Northampton to just $44,000 in South Hamden, near the New Haven border. Poverty rates also vary from a low of 2% to 4% in some parts of town to as high as 17.8% in other areas. One of the most critical results of this is that some people are making hard choices. They're choosing not to eat well in order to pay their bills. The United Way says one in eight Hamden neighbors experience some sort of hunger during the year. For minority groups, it's even higher. One in five African American and Hispanic residents are food insecure. So what does this mean and how can you help? Here's episode one, what is hunger? Walking into a local restaurant, fast-food place or sandwich shop is something many people don't think twice about when they're hungry for lunch or dinner. You look at the menu, tell the server what you want, and then pay. Same with the trip to the grocery store. You pull out your list, roll a metal cart down endless aisles overfilling with food, vegetables, fruit, meat, dairy, bread, drinks, and junk food. You get what you need, and probably some stuff you don't. When you get to the checkout lane, each item beeps and goes into a bag. Paying for it all is within your budget. But what you probably don't see is you plan your meals, are thousands of your neighbors who don't know if today is the day they'll have to skip a meal, or go hungry so their kids will have enough to eat. That's food insecurity. One recent Quinnipiac University graduate decided to spend a year on the front lines of fighting hunger, for a very personal reason.
1: My name is Daquan Stuckey. I was doing a year of service working at United Way. I was a community impact VISTA based around food security. The reason I got into the food work is because I became food insecure and I didn't realize it until my lung collapsed and I go to the hospital and the doctor goes, yeah, your magnesium levels are low, you're very, very thin. Uh, Have you been eating? It's one of those things where I was in college, I didn't have a meal plan because I lived off campus. Colleges are so expensive. For for me, trying to incorporate school, learning, everything, stress, on top of not knowing I didn't have enough food, you know. My body going into this shock and I was in the hospital and uh, he's like, oh yeah, all your." All your basic uh, body functions are really low. Are you eating the right amount? And then we go over this food chart and and getting, getting my getting back healthy to the healthy 175 that I am now. Leaving the hospital, I was 122 pounds. Going in, I was 110. Uh, leaving the hospital, I was 122. Looking at the pyramid, literally looking at the food pyramid all over again, like we're in like kindergarten, the first grade. Say like, these are your healthy food groups. These are the proteins that you need. Things like that.
3: Stuckey says his personal experience from almost dying from hunger helped him relate to the many food insecure people he worked with. His goal was to help people realize the signs of food insecurity in their lives and end the stigma some people associate with asking for help feeding their families.
1: The biggest thing that I did was uh, run a farmer's market. It was a mobile food truck down in Hamden with uh, partners like the CT Food Bank. It was trying to find those things where I could say, all right, well, this is not just going to be everybody lining up in a line to get food. Let's make this uh, more of a farmer's market carnival kind of event so that there's uh, stations where kids can play. We have the books for kids to read. There's vendors. We try to incorporate some vendors, one or two dollars for a lemonade. So it looks more like a family fun thing than the stigma of, I'm just going to stand in this line and it's going to be um, very embarrassing. The stigmas behind hunger and people being hungry were so crazy to me. Like for, I had people tell me that it's not a thing because this person looks, he looks well put together or she looks well put together. Well, that's our human defense mechanism, right? To look together so that nobody knows that we're going through something. It's a a basic defense. And that's what I got a lot in the school. It's like, oh, these kids wear Jordans all the time or these kids wear this all the time. And it's just like, yeah, because they don't want to also, they don't want to be hungry and look 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 real bad because then their parents know they'll get picked on because that's not what we want. As That's not what parents want. That's not what kids want. So we're going to look the part.
3: So how do you know if you're food insecure? Stuckey says there are several things to look out for.
1: So when you think about food insecurity, it it has a lot of layers. The initial layer that everybody mostly knows is that food insecurity is the lack of food. You don't have anywhere that you can access food. So that means that you don't have a local grocery store, you don't have any bodegas near you. That's what food insecurity is, but there's layers. So it goes to the transportation and not being able to get to food is is a reason. Food insecurity is also not getting enough Healthy food for kids, growing up, parents, or or older people who need to eat certain foods. For some of our clients, they don't even realize that they're food insecure, but they're going to McDonald's with $4 or going to the bodega with $4 and getting a sandwich, and they're making that sandwich stretch through the entire day or making those McDonald's items stretch throughout the day. So the first thing is making people aware that they're food insecure. A sign of food insecurity for parents is if you have to choose that your kids are eating and you're not eating, or you have to choose, do I pay a bill this month or do I buy groceries? Those are all signs of food insecurity. And that's what I try to stress, man, is that if, you're, if you have to pick between bills, because nobody should have to pick between bills and food, right? Um, because you need lights, you need heat, you need hot water. You need to have a place, a roof over your head. If you have to make tough decisions between food and basic needs, that's a big sign of food insecurity.
3: Stuckey's work often put him out in the community, meeting and helping people, he says, weren't very different from himself or the people he grew up around.
1: There was this one lady, we were doing the pantry on Circular Avenue. She had a, a breathing problem, the, the oxygen and everything, and, but it's like 90 degrees outside, 90 to 100 degrees outside. She's with her granddaughter, young, young girl, maybe like seven or eight years old. She waits in line, she gets the food. I see a little girl crying. I walk up to her. I said, Hey, what's wrong? You know what I mean? What's going on? She goes, Yeah, she wanted some of the cinnamon raisin bread, but I have to get this bread because it's, it helps everybody, it helps more in the house. So I said, Hold on, give me a second. I went over. I saw the line was getting short. So I said, Hey, all right. She can have this and raise some bread. It doesn't matter. Most of it's going to go back to the food bank anyway. Just those little things. I mean, it made the little girl happy. It made the. It, it, I, it looked. It was like one of those things where it looked like it restored uh, the grandmother's faith in humanity. It was one of those things where the little things count so much for them. They get treated like humans. You know what I mean? That, and that's what's important. There was a time where we was around Thanksgiving time. And it was maybe like negative, like three degrees out there. It felt like, man, but we were out there standing out there. But so were they. They were out there standing in the line. And it was one of those days where the only thing that made my fingers not be numb anymore is the fact that I knew that I did something that benefited so many people. It was like, I'm very, very cold, my toes are about to fall off, but I'm doing something for a good cause. Being that I come from a community just like a lot of the people that I'm seeing, facing, helping, it, 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 it just like one of those things where I have to do this, like I have to give back because if somebody would have told me or educated me to how I'm supposed to be eating, understand how to navigate, and what's wrong with the picture, the big picture of of things, and why I have to stand in this line. I would want that, so I give it to the people, and I try to give them a smile, you know what I mean? I try to give them everything I have, because at the end of the day, they just want to know that somebody cares about what they're going through. And I would try to be there, and I try to be that I care for what you're going through. When we look at TV, we see the, oh, help a child over here in need in and, and different uh, third world countries. But we don't realize that we have poverty, homelessness, a food insecurity problem here in our, our own land. And I think that for a long time, being the great country that we are, um, we didn't want to see it. But now I think we have enough people that care about food insecurity. So now the ball is rolling. Hunger is an issue that it's going to be hard to stop. But in food insecurity period, it's going to be a hard issue and a hard thing to stop. But little by little, little by little, we keep chipping away. We knock down those stigmas behind hunger. I think we're trending in the right direction. and Enough people care, so we're trending in the right direction.
3: Also working to increase awareness of hunger is Quinnipiac University political science professor Sean Duffy. He leads QU's Albert Schweitzer Institute and is a member of the Hamden Food Security Task Force, a group that regularly meets to come up with innovative ideas to address food insecurity around town.
2: I'm Sean Duffy and I'm the Executive Director of the Albert Schweitzer Institute. And the Institute is charged with perpetuating the legacy of Albert Schweitzer, the 1952 Nobel Peace Prize Laureate, on campus and in the wider world. One of the things that I started to think about when I stepped into this position a year and a half ago was how I can build on the past successes at the Schweitzer Institute in engaging our students in international issues and challenges by branching out into our local community here in Hamden. One of the issues that very quickly became of interest was the issue of food security in Hamden. I think this is an area where The Schweitzer Institute can contribute a great deal, and food security touches on all three of our programmatic focuses, which are human rights, the environment, and the extension of health care to underserved populations. Health is very much related to whether you're getting a sufficient source of or a sufficient quantity of regular highly nutritious food. I think particularly in a country as affluent as the United States, it really is a mark of shame that we have people who are food insecure. About a third of the food that's grown and produced in the United States never gets consumed. It goes to waste. And so when you pair that to the number of anything between a fifth and half of a given community is food insecure you start to say what's going on here when we talk about food insecurity we're talking about in very general terms hunger but it might not necessarily be hunger in the sense that people are starving, but they just might not have access to nutritious food, or they might not have access to affordable food. So we try to think of the concept of food insecurity as including more than simply hunger, but also including nutrition and healthy living and and those kinds of aspects as well.
3: So who are the food insecure in Hamden? Professor Duffy says they're people who you pass every day in the street.
2: I think there are a lot of misconceptions about poverty in America, where the assumption might be that people who are struggling with poverty or food insecurity are somehow different than the rest of us in their motivations, in their abilities, in their work habits and and those kinds of things. These are not necessarily people who are struggling with homelessness or just simply people who are unemployed. Often there are families that are trying to hold down two or three different jobs to make ends meet. There's definitely a stigma attached to hunger. No one wants to admit to, to being hungry or to having a family that's hungry. We ask questions like rather than ask, are you hungry or is your family food insecure? We ask questions like, have you ever had to make a decision between providing a meal for your children and eating yourself? or have you ever been challenged with having to make a decision between paying the rent and buying groceries? Those kinds of things help us to get at behaviorally and experientially where the food insecurity might exist because people don't want to admit to this. So I think if we're able to expand the conversation and be able to demonstrate the way that these are members of our own communities and that they may be our neighbors and that there's certainly kids that our kids are going to school with who are struggling with hunger or food insecurity. I think it helps to humanize the problem a little bit and overcome some of the stereotypes and boundaries or barriers in our thinking about how the problem affects our communities.
3: The United Way of Greater New Haven has been at the forefront of fighting hunger and food insecurity for decades. The group has done research into the type of people who are most at risk for hunger, and like Professor Duffy says, it's not the type of people you may have in mind.
0: My name is Jason Martinez. I'm the director of Community Impact at United Way of Greater New Haven. And over the last couple years, I've been working on our hunger or food security work. People think of hunger, you think of folks who don't have food at all. They're, They're starving, perhaps. Food insecurity is beyond that, where it means that folks may have access to food, but it may not be healthy food, or it may not be affordable food. And so they're not necessarily hungry, but they don't have the, the means to get the food that they that they need, that they deserve. I think financial stability is certainly at the forefront of it. People can't afford to buy the food that they need. People aren't making livable wages in the greater New Haven community. United Way in 2018 published, along with all the United Ways in Connecticut, the 2018 ALICE Report. And ALICE stands for Asset Limited income-constrained, employed. I mean, it's basically what years ago people used to call the working poor. It's folks who, they're working, right? So there's the stereotype that, you know, well, if you can't afford to buy food, well, maybe you're lazy and you're not working, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And that's just not true. It's not true for the folks in Hamden. It's not true across our state. It's folks who are working one, two jobs, still not making ends meet. And so the ALICE report looks at kind of a survival budget of what someone would have to earn across the state in order to, quote, survive, not even thrive, but just survive. So your basic, basic needs. And so for an individual person, they need to earn more than $20 an hour. For a family of four with two children who are not yet of school age, they need to earn over $40 an hour. And so looking at that, and again, the survival budget is food is on there but it's the basic, basic necessity, looking through kind of USDA recommended portions, and amount that folks are supposed to eat. It's not going out to dinner, you know? And the the travel budget is to get to and from your job, not to go travel and hang out with friends. Super, very basic survival budget. The problem is for an individual to earn more than $20 an hour, a family to earn more than $40 an hour, is actually quite difficult in our region and in our state where 45% of the jobs that are readily available, folks earn under $20 an hour. And although we've recovered most, if not all of the jobs from the recession, the jobs that have been recovered don't pay as much. And so again, most of them are not paying more than that $20 an hour. A lot of them are your retail positions. And so especially with those, someone will work one job in retail or working in kind of restaurants. In those positions, oftentimes, you don't have a set schedule. So it makes it quite difficult to then get a second job, right? Because you won't find out what hours you're working at the store until the week before. So now how do you get a second job where potentially you also don't know your hours? and so it makes it quite difficult for folks to earn as much as they need to because of things like that or we've got lots of positions kind of coming up in like the gig economy which definitely has its positive pieces to it right you get to make your own hours and you feel like you're your own boss you know these kind of consultant type jobs but they don't last forever so they're not as stable and they don't provide health insurance which is one of the 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 largest costs that's included in the survival budget so, you know, now a family is still struggling. And so I think that financial stability and economic mobility piece is definitely at the forefront. The families who are kind of the Alice population families or poverty level, they're making trade-off decisions. And so bills come around once a month and it's like, well, gotta buy this medication this month because my kid is sick and that's more important. So I won't buy as much food or you know what? I won't pay my cell phone this month because my electricity went up because it's the summer and I've had the air conditioning on and the fans on. And so you swap out bills food ends up being a cost that can more easily be cut, right? You you may not be able to cut putting gas in your car because you got to get to work. You can't cut your rent because, you know, you need a place to live. You know, if medication is coming in and someone's not well, or if you take this medication regularly, well, you need that. Food is something that you can easily cut. And, you know, parents can say, I'll eat less tonight. And so it becomes, again, this kind of invisible thing where you don't know if your neighbors are struggling and are food insecure it's different than if you see folks sleeping on a bench in the park they may be homeless but you can't see someone's stomach and whether or not they're full or whether or not they're full with nutritious healthy food again becomes a, a different piece of it we found even with translating hunger into Spanish when we were doing surveys of of folks in the schools and of parents and families, our Spanish-speaking parents, the word hunger was very powerful. To them, it was, whoa, no, 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 no. I have food for my family. This is, you're telling me I'm not feeding my family, I'm not taking care of my family, so we had to really be thoughtful about what type of language. Part of it is the building awareness component of this that tells folks they're not alone in this, that there are other folks who are struggling with this And it's not necessarily their fault, so they shouldn't necessarily feel bad about being in the situation that they're in. I think on the flip side, there's the piece of ensuring that when community members go to these emergency food providers, be it a food bank or a food pantry or a mobile pantry, whatever that might look like, that they treat it with respect. We, at United Way, manage all the volunteers at one of the Hamden mobile pantries that we partner with Connecticut Food Bank. And we make sure that when we're doing our orientation with the volunteers, that the volunteers understand that some of these folks are coming in, maybe in a very vulnerable situation and that they deserve the same amount of respect as anyone else. And when they're coming through the line of picking the food, they deserve to say, hey, can I have that melon instead? Just like when you go to the supermarket, you don't just take a melon and it looks kind of dirty or squished or damaged. Well, why should someone who has to come through a pantry be expected to take what you wouldn't take? And so we try very hard to help the volunteers understand that you know these are human beings who may have fallen on hard times and again, many of them are working. They're utilizing this resource as an additional to feeding their family. This is not in any way, shape, or form the only way they're feeding their family. This is in addition to cutting coupons and going to three different supermarkets because in supermarket A, the milk is on sale, but in supermarket B, the eggs are on sale and I've got to pinch every penny. And now they're coming to a food pantry in order to fill the rest of their needs for food for that month or that week. So I think it's about helping folks understand how we treat each other and that we shouldn't be judging one another for having to utilize these types of resources.
3: Recently, the United Way helped form the Hamden Food Security Task Force and put together a report titled, Facts and Faces, Food Hardship in Hamden. It looks at the causes of hunger in the area and suggests some solutions.
0: The task force has been meeting, oh golly, from October of 2017 was when a group of folks first came together, mostly led by Hamden Public Schools and the superintendent there, and they were teachers and principals and social workers and cafeteria staff, because there was a concern that the students in Hamden weren't able to be as successful as they could be because of hunger and food security. And so really, we started meeting then, and it grew and grew to community residents and Lots of different kind of partner agencies now all sit at the table. We, as a task force, tried to listen to what the community members wanted. And what, what they wanted was to get the word out that hunger is invisible. There were folks in Hamden who had no idea that food insecurity was an issue that some of their neighbors were dealing with. And then other folks, depending on where you lived in Hamden, other folks were like, yeah, this is a huge problem. And in many ways, it did kind of become this tale of two Hamdens with Folks in the northern part of Hamden may be unaware or not as aware, whereas folks closer to the New Haven line certainly were more aware of this this challenge that the community was facing. And so the idea was that we would work together to get the word out. What came from some of these initial community conversations was things of what do we do right here, right now. There was talk about a community garden where the local food pantry at Keith Center could utilize and get more fresh produce out to the community members. There was talk of maybe another mobile pantry that Connecticut Food Bank does in Hamden, because there was one, but it was during the daytime, and we felt that if we had one on the southern part of Hamden, it would make a, a larger impact. And so that's where this report really started coming together. This report was a true collaboration. United Way is proud to help lead this, and we funded the report, but lots of of folks had their hands in this report. The Connecticut Food Bank, dedicated community residents, Quinnipiac Valley Health District, the town of Hamden, Hamden Public Schools, Quinnipiac University, of course, Yale School of Public Health. So in April of 2019, we actually had a hunger summit at Ireland's Great Hunger Museum, part of Quinnipiac University where the plan was to unveil the report. What we thought was going to be a five-page report of some basic facts and figures turned into a 40-something page report that looked at financial stability and how that has influenced hunger and food hardship. The report is so in-depth. I mean, even looking at redlining in, in certain districts in the town and how that has contributed now to the economic hardships that certain community members today face. I'm looking at the census tracts. I mean, we had some brilliant minds working on this report to kind of get all of that information together. But the plan was we'll have a hunger summit and we'll unveil the report, but we'll also have elected officials come to hear what's going on. So we invited all the elected officials from the town of Hamden, even those who represent other districts, or larger regions. The mayor, a huge partner, Mayor Ling, was present and spoke at the event. Representative Rosa DeLauro was there and spoke at the event as well. Senator Chris Murphy, although he was out of the country at the time, recorded a message for us that we were able to play for the folks in attendance. And just as, as important, we had a local grassroots group called Witnesses to Hunger participate and lead facilitated conversations with folks who attended the event. And of course, the report itself and some of those initial figures were unveiled. So these kinds of suggestions that all came from community residents, the task force actually kind of worked together to make happen so they are going to be building this community garden funded through united way at key center and all the food is going to go back out to the community members who are utilizing the pantry they've done surveys there of what vegetables that the community members want to make sure they're growing the right thing so that's happening we partnered with connecticut food bank last year and launched another mobile pantry on circular avenue in the southern part of Hamden. And just last week, almost 170 households utilized that pantry. And so it's been growing ever since.
3: So what can you do to help? Martinez says it starts in your own neighborhood.
0: There's lots of stuff that folks can do who are food secure and want to help. I think one of the easiest ways is to get involved in your community at a a local pantry or a local soup kitchen most of these emergency food providers are run by volunteers right because there's not enough money going around to pay for full-time staff so it's part-time staff and loads of volunteers so giving your time It's super important, and that could be helping to package stuff. It could be helping to distribute the food. If you go to the United Way website, uwgnh.org, we've got a whole section on how to get involved and how to volunteer at different events in the community. The second piece would be to share this information. You've learned about, from reading The Hunger Report, which you can also find on our website, what's going on in the community. And you hear someone else kind of talking about lazy people who aren't working, and that's why they need these resources. Speak up and actually tell them what's really happening, that these are working people, working really hard, still struggling to to meet ends meet. I think that's always really important. You know, you can donate to the different pantries. Donating food is certainly helpful, but the relationship that the emergency food providers have with folks like the Connecticut Food Bank, it's actually sometimes more beneficial to donate a, a couple of dollars instead of donating a couple of cans, right? Because if you spend 10 bucks on some stuff in Target, let's say, that $10 can go much further through the food provider actually spending that $10 based on the discounts they get from the Connecticut Food Bank and things like that. So not saying don't give kind of the dried goods and the cans and stuff, that's always great, but you may wanna find out what the pantry that you're gonna donate is in need of. Depending on the different season, folks need different things. And depending on the community that they're serving, certain foods just don't go off the shelf. So you don't wanna give a bunch of boxes of macaroni and cheese, which I love, if that doesn't go well in that community for example so talk with the folks and then of course united way is dedicated to supporting ending hunger in the greater new haven community and we're always excited to have new donors come in and know that their money that they donate to united way is going to be well spent in the community so every dollar donated to our united way stays in the greater new haven community to end hunger to end homelessness and things like that and last Join the Food Security Task Force. We meet at the Hamden Public Schools Board of Ed, 60 Putnam. It's every two months now. And we also have subgroups working on a couple of different buckets of work. We've got One group working on expanding Haven's Harvest, which is a food rescue program, into Hamden so that unused food isn't thrown away. Instead, it's brought to another location that's in need of that food. So there's a group working on that expansion right now. There's a small group working on expanding the Dollar Dinners to a couple of other um, sites throughout the week with the goal by the end of the year we'll be in three or four different sites. So... On three or four nights of the week, folks in Hamden can go and get a meal for a dollar at a couple of different locations. So if that's something you're into, you can join that. We've got a group that's looking at the Hamden public school system and the free reduced lunches. It's interesting because every year over the last couple of years, there's been an increase in the number of students who qualify for free reduced lunch in Hamden, which is in contrast to the, the region where those numbers have been dropping. And so, There's a group right now looking at how do we ensure that kids are getting fed in schools? And so you could join that group. And then finally, if you're interested in just getting the word out, we've got an outreach group that's really looking to continue taking the information from the hunger report and the other work that we're doing and spreading the word all around Hamden. And so we would certainly appreciate any new members of the task force to just come and and sit at the table and get involved. So those are just a couple of ways that folks can get involved if they so choose.
3: To read the United Way of Greater New Haven's report on hunger, or to donate or volunteer, go to their website, uwgnh.org. You can also find information about joining the Hamden Food Security Task Force as it works to fight hunger and food insecurity around town. Thanks for listening to Hunger in Hamden, a project of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. This episode was reported and produced by Professor Ben Bergardis of Quinnipiac University's Journalism Department. Be sure to check out future episodes where we see how people across the community, including Quinnipiac University faculty, staff, and students are helping fight food insecurity around town. Special thanks go out to Adam Sindroff, Isaiah Lopes, and the staff at the M.L. Keefe Community Center, Bob Bergner, Allison Batson, and the many volunteers and guests at Grace and St. Peter's Episcopal Church. Jason Martinez in the United Way of Greater New Haven in its report, Facts and Faces, Food Hardship in Hamden, Quinnipiac University President Judy Olian, Vice President and Chief of Staff Bethany Zimba, Professor Sean Duffy of QU's Albert Schweitzer Institute, Professors Suzanne Hud and Amy Walker, and students in her Hunger Project course who did additional reporting for this podcast, Vincent Cotrucci of Quinnipiac University's Office of Community Service, Daquan Stuckey, and many others. For more information on Quinnipiac University, go to our website, qu.edu.